everybody. Aaron here with a miniature spoiler podcast. When I first saw the House of the Dragon premiere, the thing that jumped out to me was what appeared to be an entirely new piece of information that the so-called A Song of Ice and Fire, the uh, prophetic vision dreams uh, that we previously thought started with Rhaegar Targaryen actually goes all the way back to Aegon and was the prime uh, motivator impetus for his invasion of Westeros. Here to talk with me tonight about these revelations is the entertainment correspondent for Insider, and she's the co-host of Cast of Kings alongside David Chin. All right, Kim, uh, I brought you on here for, for one one thing and one thing only. What's that? I, I took it as a pretty big change in my understanding of the lore when we heard uh, Viserys say that Aegon is the one actually that had heard this prophecy of the of, of the the world ending uh, mm-hmm. and the threat of the White Walkers, and this has been a secret pass from Targaryen king to Targaryen king. Now, I actually the day after we saw the premiere, I posted on Twitter. It's like uh, one thing I think I can say without getting in trouble. <laughs> is that there is a a moment in the, the 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 episode, the pilot episode, that I would have considered high Martin heresy mm-hmm. had it not been for George's intimate involvement of the show. And within four hours, some other person leaked, you know, and people were able to put together context that this is referring to this prophecy. And I got a a very minor. uh, Most people's minds were kind of blown by that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a little bit of pushback of like, well, actually, in a so spake Martin archive, he made an offhand comment about, you know, Aegon might maybe have been motivated by uh, the conquest. But I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I feel like the vast majority of even Game of Thrones super nerds if you told them this, they'd be like, wow, that seems like a big change. So I took it that way, that this is not a big change, but it's definitely a change from this is something that Rhaegar came up with. This is some prophecy that he interpreted to, especially the Targaryen King to Targaryen King uh, aspect of it. Yeah. Air to air. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are two levels in which that scene in this pilot episode like kind of took me aback because a yes it's like it's a different level of confirmation i think i know what you're talking about with that so spake martin thing it's like a video interview where he mm-hmm. alludes to like um aegon may have like some people say that aegon may right. have like wanted to unify the kingdoms because of some like because he knew what would happen in 300 years but like that's pretty vague like and to take that and be like, everybody knows this, duh. Like, I'm right. like, okay. But because this was also uh, like a late 2018, like this is also fairly, even if you want to say everybody knew this, this is stuff that people conceivably could have missed if, you know, uh, they, they weren't paying attention to the So Spake Martin archive and right. go, going into season eight of Game of Thrones. So I think it's still something right. interesting to discuss and and, and uh, see, see what we come up with from a what does it all mean kind of perspective. Yeah. Totally. Also, like, he could have put that in Fire and Blood if he wanted to, but, like, he's been withholding that explanation in the book so far, and it's very interesting to me that he is, like, totally happy to, like, drop those sorts of nuggets into this House of the Dragon series. I I saw in some... Yeah, 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 go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? 
We're just going to then launch into like, I have interviewed the showrunners. Oh, well, before we get to that, yeah, yeah. I want to say one other th- perspective I saw that I thought was interesting mm-hmm. is, you know, some of the more book first parts of the internet that I was perusing for reactions to this grenade I threw into the community <laughs> were along the line of like really angry that this was stuff was coming out in a television show instead of a piece of literature written by Martin. Um, yeah. What do you make? Cause I've got, I got my own reaction to that, but what do what do you make of that? Um, I guess book chauvinism. I will. <laughs> uh, uh, no, that is a good question. I mean, I think that I have gotten so far removed from, like, putting all my eggs in the book baskets at this point. Like, I'm still a little sweet summer child who thinks George is going to finish Winds of Winter sometime before I die. But... I I think you've gotten wobbly on A Dream of Spring. I've gotten wobbly on A Dream of Spring. I think that this latest... (laughs) This latest spat of, like, prequel, sequel, successor show news Mm -hmm. and how, like, like, George at first was like, I'm not writing any scripts. I'm not really focused on it. Um, And, you know, he he still hasn't written scripts, but he does seem very involved. And so it's like, yes, if this is now George's preferred method of dropping little, like, Easter eggs, then so be it. It's his it's his story. He gets to decide. He could have withheld that detail from the House of the Dragon showrunners. Yeah. But he didn't. He told it yeah. to them for some reason. And like, okay, cool. Let's run with it. Let's have some fun, like theory mongering moments again. I don't know. I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, I I'm I, the way I look at it is George cut his teeth writing scripts for television like that was where he kind of got his genesis. And I don't think he sees a distinction. I think he thinks mm. this is my imaginary world and I'm putting things of it out through encyclopedias. I'm putting things out through fake history books. I'm putting things out there in terms of shows. And it's all like a multimedia experience. Like, I don't think that he um recognizes that one is canon and one is not. Although, you know, I don't, I don't know if you actually asked him is like, are these shows canon or higher canon than the books? Or is it like, but I, I just feel like he just doesn't, I, 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 I don't think that he sees that distinction as like, Oh, well this, yeah, the real stuff is the books and the show is, you know, uh rumor and innuendo and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, it's just not how he relates to, to the medium. And it's the same way that it's like when I, you know, like uh, if you're a star Wars fan growing up, it's like, you know, you had the movies, but you also had the books, you had the comic books and you have the video games and they were kind of mm-hmm. all fair game to like out nerd each other on. Right. So it yeah. seems very weird to me to get like extremely precious over one type or the other. But I don't know. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that I've long just held the position that it's George. It is George's world and inventions. And we're at his whim for how he decides like the best way to continue engaging us on this in the absence, in the continued absence of an actual completed A Song of Ice and Fire story. Right. So, so you have the advantage over me in that before we went to the premiere, you had gotten a chance to sit down and talk in a, in a, in a round table uh, fashion with some of the showrunners. So you, you might be a little bit ahead of the game as far as figuring some of this stuff out. Uh, what what do 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 you, do you want to dish on any of that? Yes, I would love to because I think that that's like, I think that that's probably the bigger question that a lot of folks are going to have is like, wait, is this a George reveal or is this just a show reveal? 
you know, that same debate that we had over some of the later seasons of Game of Thrones and stuff. Ryan Condal coloring outside of the lines. Is that what Mm -hmm. we got here? No, Ryan. So Ryan Condal. Yeah, I spoke with him and Miguel Sapochnik in this like virtual roundtable. That whole prophecy scene came up and Ryan immediately, the first thing he said was that was a detail that George actually gave us early in the story break. Um, so like before they had even shaped the way that the whole season would look, it sounds like Ryan and, and George, who we know have had multiple meetings, the way that Ryan got involved with this entire series was that he was just a huge fan and he was working in the TV industry. Um, and I believe that the, the story goes that he just like sent George a message and said like, I'd love to buy you dinner because they, he knew that they were like in the same city or something. Mm -hmm. So honestly, kind of similar to the David and Dan uh, the the D origin story of I guess you just got to be a a bro who asks for dinner with uh, right George place, R. Martin. right time with the right entree, and mm-hmm. you too can mm-hmm. show run a Game of Thrones sp- spinoff sequel. <laughs> yeah, so they they certainly seem to have bonded over the fact that Ryan Condal knows the A Song of Ice and Fire world inside and out, and George clearly trusts and, like, respects his approach to this story. Um, so Ryan told me, he said, this is, this is how Ryan described the detail that George gave him. He said, quote, the idea that Aegon the Conqueror was himself a dreamer, and that's what motivated the conquest, which he, meaning George, mentioned casually in conversation, as he often does with huge pieces of information like that end quote um which i kind of love because that is kind of consistent of what we've heard george say otherwise that like it's not like george said okay i have this big thing and you guys are going to be the first ones to reveal it and the fandom's going to lose their mind it was like no george was just talking about the targaryens while they were discussing like the early story break for this show and i guess just mentioned that offhandedly yeah, because um, they're they're just real people to him, and he's just you know like yeah, this is just uh, this is how it went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think it's notable that like Ryan Condal calls it a huge piece of information. Like that should signal to us that again, even if some people might have inferred or guessed this based on like things that George had said over the years, like it's supposed to come off as a big piece of information to us in this and, pilot. And, 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 and that's the other thing. And of course, everyone's listening to this by now has seen it, but that's the way it's treated. That's the thing I couldn't come back and like slap these guys and gals with is the way it's treated on the episode is as if it is like, holy shit, you know, get, get, get your, your big princess pants on. You're about to hear something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the show even kind of like the way it's framed is kind of like from the viewer's perspective, we feel like we're bring, being brought in to some something new and, and something that the show thinks is going to be a, a banger of a reveal. Yeah, t- totally. I like I know in my notes that I took from watching the episode, the fact that like they're cutting between Viserys telling Rhaenyra this and all of the lords swearing fealty. And I do not think it's a coincidence that like he says Aegon foresaw the end of the world of men. And then we cut to a Stark swearing fealty to a Targaryen. Right. right. Um, and then like jump back. And he says like the real bombshell was when he was like, Aegon called his dream, the song of ice and fire. And I was like, uh-huh. like we're getting the lore is coming back into play. And he's like holding, mm-hmm. I think the Valyr, the cat spa blade is like literally he on is. his waist. Right. It is, yeah. Right. Stuck there in his belt. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, which that was something uh, I also interviewed Patty Considine uh, and he was like oh yeah Viserys like is 
very connected to this blade like it's very important to him he always has to have it with him and like he just knows that that's to him that's like a little like nerdy link to the fact that like oh this weapon that will eventually kill the night king is just is a part of his little piece of the the blade of destiny yeah yeah so yeah so i mean we know that it came from george uh we know that it is supposed to be treated like a big piece of information um and so i think that that just raises some questions and i also it, it i think it is important to talk about like the canon versus not canon aspect of this too because that was something that i also asked ryan condal about um let's see i'm i'm making sure that i'm quoting from the right spot here but we were talking about um the fact that fire and blood is like this subjective history retelling right like mm-hmm. it's it's not written in the novels it's not written in the same style as the a song of ice and fire novels um right. and so ryan connell was talking to me about that and he said that he thinks that what will make the audience engage is not like what happens because you can find out what happens by just going to wikipedia but he says that the how and the why of things happen is kind of what the show is going to be able to offer um And then I followed up and I asked, I was like, okay, so this is what we're watching in House of the Dragon is the objective truth. And Condal said, correct. And then I like, I kept talking. It was like one of those like interjection moments. I was like, (laughs) this is like, this is like the canon version of how everything unfolded. And then he was like, well, I hesitate to say canon because George wrote the canon version. But yes, this this is the idea is that House of the Dragon. He's respectful, but he's definitely saying, yeah. Yeah, like, they aren't, like you said, coloring outside of the lines for no reason. Like, everything that they're doing is supposed to be true to George's canon understanding of the Targaryen history. And and I agree. Like, I think um, that's why it's like, if I gave someone a bullet point of everything that happens in a pilot, I don't think you would be spoiled. Because, like, in Fire and Blood, you can read that Viserys's, you know, wife died in childbirth and his Mm -hmm. male heir lasted another day and then he wasted away and all that. But when you see that happen on the screen against the backdrop of this dramatic tourney and then the dragons breathing fire on their pyre. Like it's, it's a lot more real and it's a lot more, you get an, you, you, you know, a lot more about the King of uh, than you did just reading it off the page. Cause it's like, well, you know, from the page, it's like, uh, he, 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 he loses as well. And, and, you know, but, but like seeing the actual impact and mm-hmm. uh, both good and bad, the fact that, he was willing to sacrifice his wife against her will to get mm-hmm. that male heir and then a blowing up and but but and then a blowing up in his face. Like I I definitely see his point that like the 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 actual plot points are not nearly as important as people's reaction to them and the emotion it generates and the intrigue it, it generates. Yeah. And I think that was what was really successful about this episode is everything is being driven by very clearly laid out like emotions and motivations and messy relationships and like i think that they did that very well in that like you you immediately kind of understand why all of these characters are doing what they're doing even if what they're doing is awful (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is you know you got to sell us on that like why is this so important and so again that all kind of comes back to like the fact that this prophecy 
has been like hanging over Viserys's head in theory for his entire reign and now his anxiety about the fact that like he needs he needs to tell it to someone otherwise this prophecy will be lost to time as we know it is at some point in the future right and i guess that's the other thing is like i I saw a couple of critiques about the you know people guessing and putting all that stuff together and there is some interestingly inconsistent behavior like Aegon conquers all of westeros uh ostensibly to start a sequence of events that's going to lead in the downfall of the white walkers and the knight's king and all that and yet canonically he never even visits the wall uh, the mm-hmm. wall remains in a constant state of disrepair and understaffing throughout the reign of all the Targaryen kings. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, if this is the all-important thing, why did they let it get that? And maybe the answer is like they knew the wall was going to be not enough, and that they're and, and they needed the dragons and they need to keep the dragons strong. And but they fucked that mission up too, to be honest. So I do wonder if there's going to be some like other. Uh, I, I won't say retconning, but like more explanation for like, actually, it turns out that Aegon secretly was doing this and secretly doing that and was thwarted by that because there I, I do think there is a little bit of truth to those like, well, if he if this is true, where is it? Look, where is it in the text? You know, where, yeah. where is this urgency in the text? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And like. The other question that I had is like how was Martin planning on deploying this information in the books? Cause like, or, or was he already not? had multiple cracks at the, like, you know, we've had the, the rogue prince, we've got the fire and blood. We got a song of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the only, and, and I can't stress enough. The only way place you can see this is a, a so spake Martin archive from late 2018. And then mm-hmm. he's been kind of silent since. So that's, that's a good question. Yeah. My, cause like, I, I thought of that when you were talking about like the fact that Aegon never went to the wall. It's interesting to me that the one thing that Martin seems to have gone out of his way in both a world of ice and fire and fire and blood is to let us know that uh, Aegon and Visenya visited the Citadel in old town uh, mm. prior to him prior to the conquest. Right. And so I'm like, okay, that was always a little bit of a bee in my bonnet with the show taking all the time to have like Sam go to old town and steal all these books. And then we never heard about them anymore. And I'm like, okay, is it going to be some like secret manuscript thing or some like old, you know, tattered notes, which again, that just made like Lord of the Rings pop in my head of like, you know, like Gandalf in the archives (laughs) discovering like the the final account of a Sildur. And like, Mm -hmm. is that what is, is there going to be some big thing about like, the Targaryen origins or something at some point in the future actually, with like John and Danny. I don't know. A- actually, Sam just kind of forgot about the, that he had those <laughs> books. Uh, Sam kind of forgot. Gilly kind of <laughs> forgot kinda... that she learned how to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, since we're, we're this, we, we talked about the, you know, uh, the, the, the Im- impacts. I also, why we're being, I guess, kind of like nitpicky. Um, is it smart from a storytelling perspective of this new show to essentially make it that vital to the game of thrones series because like i to me that's the thing i worry about is like i'm ready to make my peace and like i don't like season seven i don't like i don't like i don't like season seven in retrospect i certainly don't like how season eight played out 
mm-hmm. but like whatever that's done i'm now interested in these these targaryens and their their games of thrones and their civil war and all that stuff but now this show has been tied to the legacy of the old show and a very you know like the targaryen scheme at the end was to have a what 16 year old girl pop up with her magic knife and stabby stab and then hand the thing all over to the brand the broken uh I, the, to me, the the to whatever extent you think the old show failed or succeeded, I don't know about tying this current show to that legacy. Right. Given how unclearly this prophecy played out in the right. game of in the in HBO's Game of Thrones canon, because then that's also messy. We know that those final seasons of Game of Thrones are not supposed to be canon for George's universe. He keeps mm-hmm. reminding us that like some things are different. <laughs> There's been a butterfly effect, blah, 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 blah. Like far fewer events that we saw in season seven or eight came straight from George, which maybe isn't what we thought was happening at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, yeah, it is. It is weird. I don't know how to square that because I still have so many questions about what the, how we were supposed to interpret the final episodes of Game of Thrones in connection to Azora High, the prince that was promised, the long night, right. like all of these things that they went out of their way to mention several times throughout the series. And then they didn't give any of them like a very tidy conclusion, which is fine. I don't need like everything tied up in a bow, but something would be some clarity on like how Benioff and Weiss believe they were showing like the completion of those arguments would be good. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we didn't get that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but no, I think that they, sh- yeah, um, they were, they, they had their eyes set on star Wars and were trying to just, <laughs> yeah. And so it came in and it's the way it's ironic how that worked out. I will say that since I kind of like, you know, said the, the, the potential drawback, the flip side is it's entirely possible given enough seasons and if people, they really nail this and it's super gripping and it's interesting. I wonder if they can lay enough kind of prophetic things in this show that when you watch season seven and eight, things make a little bit more sense. Like mm-hmm. with the background information. Now it's, it's, I, I don't believe that. I don't think that's possible, but on the other hand, I've seen some pretty incredible, like in, in you know, you talk about Star Wars, Star Trek, other, I've seen some pretty incredible retcons mm-hmm. that have been able to like take things that the fans weren't so sure about and use it as a foundation to build something great and enhance the appreciation of that. Hmm. Um, so, like I said, I, I don't know what that would look like, but if 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 they played their cards right, maybe we have a different perspective going into Game of Thrones that makes that, uh, you know, uh, double D ending that we got. It's non-canonical. Maybe it's a way to, to square those. Yeah. Uh, May- maybe that's why they're having the cat spa dagger feature right. so heavily in there because they maybe they will figure out a way to make some connection between Arya and this prophecy, which would help right. my brain a lot with like squaring... Yep why she wound up being the one aside from like the only, the only reason that we got from Benioff and Weiss about why it was Arya is that like, well, everyone thought it was going to be Jon Snow and we didn't want to do that. So we picked well, Arya because she's like the most skilled fighter. The, 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 the blood Raven in this era is not to come yet. Right. 
Oh, this is shoot. I was about to go shoot. I so so one thing they could do is whoever is the current three eyed raven because mm-hmm. that's a that's a not a hereditary position, but that's that's essentially a position that's been held since antiquity in mm-hmm. you know in the north, right? Is it possible that uh, you know one of the 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 the, the, the uh, one of the queens uh, goes up there to talk to the current? Um, three-eyed raven to get an ID because like the other thing about satisfying is like I think a lot of my problems I mean it's a completely radical reimagining of where I thought they were going but a lot of my problems with the finale would be resolved if this was brand nakedly manipulating the situation Mm. Uh, or in and not even Brandon himself, but like this is a long con play that the three eyed Raven has made over all these eons. Hmm. And this is the culmination actually taking direct control over the affairs of man to, you know, do whatever like that. If they could find some way to reveal that, mm-hmm. that would be some, something that would make me think, okay, I would definitely watch maybe season eight again with fresh eyes and see if this all tracks together. Yeah. Would that explain why there's a weirwood with a face? In well, that's that's the other thing I was I don't know if we had time to talk about, but yeah, like I that's the other we- thing I always came out of buzzing is that what the hell is there a full ass weirwood doing in King's Landing? Because I think they showed it I, I think they showed it on the show, her praying before that stump in like season two when she was, you know, yeah, like by the ocean her, with like that ocean yeah, view. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um and now and and you, we were talking about this precast and like, well, didn't they cut that down between but they the, these things were cut down during the Andal invasion, which happened mm-hmm. thousands of years ago. Like all mm-hmm. trees, all weirwood trees and godswoods south of the neck have been cut down in her stumps. But I checked myself and I read in there's an entry in the uh, history of the the world of ice and a song of ice and fire that mentions that there is a God's wood in King's Landing that has a heartwood that's not a weirwood because those were all cut down, but it's a white oak. And I forgot I should have wrote down the name, but it had something like fire ivy that was Mm -hmm. growing up through the trunk and through these dead, dead branches of this old oak that made it look like a weirwood. But that thing says that it is doesn't have a face carved onto it. And the one in the House of the Dragon pilot definitely does. Definitely had a face. And I I guess I don't. uh, That's not going to make or break it because if they're just like, well, we just want to make people sure people know that this is a God's wood and it's very evocative of what, you know, even down to the reflecting pool that, you know, that the the Ned had up in in Winterfell. I don't really care. But on the other hand, you know, what, 170, 180, however many years later, we're going to see Sansa in this thing and it's all been chopped down. So, yeah. I wonder if they'll we'll actually see the destruction of the weirwood and some kind of some of these civil unrests mm. uh, or the, the heartwood tree. Maybe. Yeah. And then see, that's when like I get in the weeds of like, okay, was that just a production design thing where like nobody thought about the like the ripple effects of the right. meaning of having because like it is right. just a neat parallel to like the Game of Thrones pilot when uh, Catelyn and Ned are in the godswood together like they're clearly laying the same like intimate loving relationship between um ned and catelyn and alicent and rhaenyra like i think you only see people re- relaxing and having fun and in, in a weirwood tree setting when they are affectionate with each other <laughs> what else did, did we i mean i'm sure there's lots other stuff but uh i've, I've only saw this up i I'm recording this in advance and I've only seen an episode the one time. So I, I, this is the, that was the big thing I stumbled out of the theater thinking, Oh my God. 
Are we allowed to talk about the, like, in the coming weeks segment that we saw? Uh, let me, let me, let me uh, b- backstop us appropriately here. Uh, okay. This is the last thing me and Kim are going to talk about. If you don't want to, if you, if, if you did avoid the weeks ahead, because I know some people are real spoiler purists and they don't want to have any hints. Uh, don't know why you'd be listening to a lore heavy podcast if that's the case. But just for <laughs> the weirdos out there, now's the time to turn off the podcast if you don't want any kind of spoilers at all because we it's, Kim's going to going to drop some some science on us based on that. Okay, that's the, clearly everyone's had a chance to turn off the podcast. <laughs> what, what you got, Kim? Um, I just I thought it was notable that like the the name dropping of a song of ice and fire and this whole idea of like dragon dreams was was specific enough and like tied to what we know about the Game of Thrones series. But then in the weeks ahead thing, they also dropped the phrase the prince that was promised and that was really when i was like okay they are not just like slipping this in there for a one episode easter egg like this is apparently going to be a like continued conversation about this prophecy and the fact that they're like overlapping the prince that was promised with the azora high language everything was like another little like mind-blowing moment to me and that's where I keep coming back to like, are, are these mad, mad men really trying to, cause I, I could see Sapochnik kind of being invested in that. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big part of seven and eight and, 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 and six. And like, I, you know, I'm a kind of a fan favorite boy. It'd be nice if we could salvage something from that and get people reinterested in, in, in revisiting that and to weave that, because you're right, it's not like this is just like a, a one-off thing that kind of like gets people talking. It does seem that it's part of the fabric of the show woven all the way through it. That this is one of the mission, or one of the, 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 the theses of the show. Right. And like, back to what I was saying about how Ryan Condal was saying that the how and the why are more important. It seems like they're really emphasizing that the why of all the shit that's about to go down with this Targaryen civil war will be partially, if not enormously informed by Rhaenyra knowing about this prophecy. And like, who else is she going to tell? She going to tell one of her sons or again, she tell her best BFF Mm. that will later become a rival. I don't know. I have, I have so many questions. That would be breaking her dad's rules, but you know, uh, yeah. you know, this is king, king to king. But um, no, I think it, it, it's it's that's that's a that's a good question. Yeah, what what does she do with this information? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think that it's definitely kind of. I think it's fun to have such a like little fandom shaking moment thrown in there. Just a little grenade of lore that we all get to ask questions about and then like it did absolutely do the do the job of making me more intrigued to see where they're going with this as opposed to being like oh i know how everything's gonna unfold because i've read this book but i'm just like along for the ride which is fun um it does feel like they're they're etching out some new territory for themselves apparently entirely with george's blessing and encouragement so yeah, and that's the key thing to me. Like, if the uh, if, if George was saying he was head down and he just kind of signed off on the yeah, adapt fire and blood, and this came out of nowhere, yeah, I would have. But like the fact that there is some evidence that 
George was building towards this direction uh, even four years ago. And the fact that he has been enthusiastically behind, you know, hand, Ryan Connell's his handpicked guy, uh, sat down, clearly have a lot of conversations. And yeah, he's not writing scripts, but uh, from what I heard from uh, Sapochnik and, and Connell at the event, like he's very, very involved with this project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he read all the scripts, <clears throat> which wasn't the case for Game of Thrones season eight. I don't know if you remember that little right tidbit. Kerfuffle. He didn't uh-huh. know what was going to happen in the final season, whereas he's read all the scripts for House of the Dragon. He's seen early cuts of, I believe, most of the episodes, mm. um, and he just can't stop like raving about it on his not a blog. Yeah. So he's happy the best- with, with what they've done. I-, I think this fits George's personality because this is a story that's told. It's done. It's got mm-hmm. a very strong like beginning and end. It's public information. And this is where his gardener shit really shines. Like mm-hmm. I've got the scaffold and it's all complete. I know where it's going, but I can throw in this detail and that detail and this emotional beat and this and to make it like better. But mm-hmm. like it's hard to garden into something that you don't even know where it's going. And yeah. I think that is the reason it's been a very long time since we've heard anything about the winds of winter and why I remain skeptical that we'll <laughs> either of those projects will see the light of day. But, yeah. um, another, that was another fun tidbit from one of my interviews. I spoke with, uh, Fabian who plays Sir Kristen Cole. And mm-hmm. I was talking about, you know, like the difference between fire and blood in a song of ice and fire and how it's more subjective. And he was like, yeah, what's nice is the way he phrased it. He was like, the lyrics are written, but the melody is ours. And I was yeah. like, huh, yeah, that's cool. Like, we already know the story, but how it's going to be told to us and how it's going to be processed and how beautiful or sad or tragic it is, we get to see unfold a little bit differently with all of, like, the emotional thrust behind it in the show. Yeah, like I said, I, I that really came across to me in the first episode, the difference between reading a pretty sterile maester approved account versus Mm -hmm. seeing the visceral things that happen in this episode uh it's night and day totally well kim i am very excited for game of thrones a song of ice and fire hot d being in my (laughs) life uh i'm really happy and excited to hear that you're joining our pal david chin uh on uh, a cast of Kings. Uh, I would like for you to tell people where they can continue following you uh, on your little voyage through the, the saga. Uh, Where, where, where are you going to be talking about uh, house of the dragon this year? Yeah, I'll be doing weekly uh, episode recaps with Dave Chen over on the, a cast of Kings feed. So you can find all the links and stuff for that. It's just a cast of Kings.com. I think we're doing like YouTube and TikTok this time around too, which is kind of fun. Um, So yeah, pretty much anywhere that you are on the internet, you can find me and then I'll still be doing all my usual weekly articles at insider.com. Um, this interview that I've been alluding to, uh, in this conversation, you can read like the fully fleshed out thing with all of Ryan Condal and Miguel Sapochnik's quotes up on insider. Um, and yeah, that's where I'll be, but I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. It's, it's fun. I should say that on a cast of Kings, me and David will be doing a, a more spoiler free zone when it comes to like the future plot points of what's going on in house of the dragon right so it's super fun to be able to chat with you about all the all the spoilers all the book references all this fun lore stuff that we love to go deep on no i yeah like you are my go-to in terms of like 
dark uh, Westworld. We missed you this season. Uh, game, you're 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 great at that, uh, and uh, I I love that you're doing a podcast. And I, by the way, if you didn't catch any of that stuff, I'm going to put all that stuff. I'm going to put the link to Cast the Kings and uh, Kim's author profile on Insider. So if you didn't catch that, or if you're driving down the the, the road at 70 miles an hour, <laughs> I got you. Just just hit the show notes and uh, click a click clickety clack, and and you'll you'll be following Kim before you even know it. Uh, <laughs> no, thanks to you for for uh, uh, uh talking uh talking uh thrones with me and nice. it's cool to to catch up with you in la and uh yeah i'm we'll see we'll see where this thing goes yeah i'm sure we'll do a follow-up pod once once more is revealed i can't wait for sure <laughs> <laughs>